this guy's probably fought hundreds of thousands of other super beings on the other planets he's destroyed, right? And we have to assume he's won. I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us, not us united. Well, hello and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we are watching the famed romantic comedy Zack Snyder's Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) And... Telling you why there should have been way more romance and everybody who made eyes at each other was doing it at the wrong person because they should all be coupled up with other in other arrangements amongst themselves. I'm Jennifer. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie. And this is apparently how desperate we are to stay in the zeitgeist that a rom-com <laughs> podcast is going to cover the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Sadie, before we get started, I made you a little something. Charge me, charge me, I call to thee. That is, uh, I don't know if you could hear very well, but I reversed the syllables in Desaad so that it sounds like Steppenwolf is calling to you. Wait, play it again, play it again. Okay, I moved it closer to the mic. Charge me, charge me, I call to thee. My man, Steppenwolf, my hammerhead looking gentleman, Steppenwolf is calling to me. (laughs) Hopefully it makes you feel powerful, like middle management in an evil cohort of of (laughs) astral supervillains. So why did Steppenwolf have like Kunari horns on his head when Darkseid and Desaad did not? They're probably from different alien races, you know? same faces and bodies. Did you clock the, like, Stellan, or I don't even know, Stellan Skarsgård-esque looking fellow who was, like, with Desaad and Darkseid? Like, he just looked like a, a, a man. He oh, just looked like oh, a guy. Oh, oh, Well, <laughs> how I have learned something about this, Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to my younger brother, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Joe. Oh, who tweeted to me after Legends I finished of the Fall watching King. and was complaining. <laughs> and I was complaining about how utterly, horribly stupid all of the names of everybody in the DC universe are. And he said, wait till you hear about Granny Goodness. Lo and behold, that Stellan Skarsgård looking fellow is apparently a grandmother of evil, ironically named granny goodness <laughs> wait what? my one criticism Sadie, of this movie a picture right now is that the words granny goodness are never uttered <laughs> i just want henry cavill to say the words granny goodness and then the snyder cut would be perfect release the snyder cut again that's granny goodness i'm going to have a mental (laughs) breakdown right now (laughs) i thought okay well first of all first of all first of all we need to actually summarize the movie question mark oh god good point who's doing this one i i can sort of try (laughs) I just sent you a picture on Instagram of Granny Goodness as drawn in the I comics. I won't be looking at it. I wish that she looked like Jen, that. But thank you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't bear to look upon She looks it. sort of like uh, <laughs> if 
like Aquaman was like kind of like a stout badass grandma in the Jack Kirby. <laughs> She's got like scales on her Um, So this movie is like directly off the back of uh, Batman versus Superman, where Superman dies fighting a large ogre called Doomsday at the end of that movie. And at the start of this movie, Superman's death yell uh, awakens three mystical objects spread across the planet. One living with the Wonder Women, one living with the Aquaman, and one that humankind apparently just unceremoniously buried two feet underground in, I in the woods. Like, and now it's like in a crate wait, in somebody's so- closet. I would like to preface here and say that um, while I do enjoy DC comics, I'm a big Harley Quinn fan, um, and I have unfortunately seen all of the Marvel movies. I have not seen any of the DC movies within like the past like seven years. Um, So you're telling me, you, Samantha, are telling me that the Mother Boxes weren't brought up before this movie uh not there there are hints of apocalypse to come but i don't think the mother boxes are explicitly referenced and i think the director's cut of batman versus superman you do see one restoring cyborg to life so so then my follow-up question is why was i only informed what the mother boxes were an hour and a half into this movie. (laughs) At which point they tell us that like this ultimate world destroying power, like it looks like it seems like dark side. He like deletes the current, society and like pastes in his own thing the mother boxes let that and but the the point of what i'm trying to get to here is the names once again the mother boxes like really the it's like boxes? and the greatest power in the world Ma- the, mommy boxes if the three mom's vaginas come together then all will be lost for humanity yeah. like why i i the uh, anti-life and then when somebody when anti-life was first uttered, that is where I had to tap out. I, I <laughs> <laughs> But I came back refreshed for the next viewing and ended up enjoying myself more than I thought. But like, I, I think I hurt myself rolling my eyes so hard when I heard the words anti-life. God I bless. Mean, <laughs> uh, in fairness, uh, Marvel has in- infinity stones. <laughs> Not like, any better. <laughs> Their villain is trying to collect gems for for a bejeweled glove that he wears that uh, snaps people out of existence. I mean, you, you have to name th- these ridiculous things something, <laughs> I guess, like Mother Box and Anti-Life. I, I find it interesting how, like, similar Thanos and Darkseid are. They are kind of like the two sides of the same coin. It's kind of a similar thing in both cases um whereas you know and in preparation for this uh viewing i did not watch any more of the of the of the dc movies but i did rewatch a few of the critical marvel movies and um i didn't watch the last two avengers Endgame or infinity war because i hated them and i love myself so i couldn't do it but even in 
like Good movies from like several years prior to Thanos even showing up, they hint at things, you know, so it's kind of a slow build. So I'm interested to know if any of that happened here, question mark? Yeah, so my understanding of the landscape, and this gets into some of the metatextual elements of Zack Snyder's Justice League, is that Zack Snyder had a very ambitious plan for how this was going to go. So he directed Man of Steel. He did Batman versus Superman. He started doing Justice League. And then there was a family tragedy and the studio seemed like they wanted to push him out anyway. So they pushed him out. And then Joss Whedon finished original Justice League and essentially just made it a very bright, quip-filled Marvel movie. Like, if you look at the differences between the cuts, Joss Whedon's version is shorter and has a ton of jokes, and he turned the saturation up to like 15 just across the board. So, that like all along the way, Snyder has been plotting this huge arc for like Justice League and where it will go, and ultimately it leads to some of the post-apocalyptic scenes that you see in this movie and Batman versus Superman. But the studio all, all along the way, Warner Brothers, has been trying to like shorten or condense the movies because it seemed like they weren't sure they wanted to commit to his full like you know vision for how it was going to go. So I imagine always in the works, but actively suppressed the entire time. <laughs> I I imagine that both can be true in that one, I'm sure that this is maybe much more in line with the other movies of the past, the, you know, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. And so in that way, this movie in general is superior to the one that was released in 2017. And also there's absolutely no way that this movie could have been released as it is to the general public being over four hours long and also the way that it is. Uh, We'll get into it. I have some problems with it, (laughs) needless to say. The Lord of the Rings movies were like three and a half, right? But it didn't have the same existing buy-in. I feel like weirdly the whole Whedon cut sort of had to happen for this to be able to be what it was. I think original Snyder cut was like two and a half hours. And then... And then like, well, Whedon fairly recently, I mean, it's been known that he's a shitbag for a long, long time. But just in the public consciousness, it's been so elevated because Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, came out and exposed Whedon for being an awful racist creep, abusive boss to work with on the making of this movie after he took it over. And unfortunately, I think Ray Fisher has, I'm a little bit hazy on this because I didn't look it back up before, but I'm pretty sure DC has let him go because they wanted to just throw Joss Whedon out on that and let him take all of the fall for the racism problems. But Ray Fisher like named other names, including like people really big up at DC. So they were like, okay, let's like can him too. But anyway, like the combo of like the tragedy of why Snyder had to step away in the first place, the poor 
reception of the Whedon cut, and then Whedon ended up ending up being the one to take the fall with like the DC movie universe powers that bees problems with racism and sexism and toxic work environments and the fan demand for the Snyder cut like all of those things coalescing I believe are why we now have a four fucking hour version on HBO (laughs) that they're going to re-release in black and white because apparently it wasn't desaturated enough this time I think the pandemic and uh, HBO Max also played a role in this being able to happen. You know, they need to get new subscribers on HBO Max for it to be uh, profitable for them. And so they they reached a point where it was like, people seem like they really want to see this. We could finish it with a mere $70 million. Why don't we just finish it and let let the plebs have what they want if it means more people who we can bill monthly for our streaming service? Um, and like, here we are. We watched it. <laughs> And Jen, to your point, I I haven't rewatched Whedon Cut recently, but it immediately became apparent that almost all of the characters who were cut or had their roles dramatically reduced in the Whedon Cut were people of color. So like Cyborg, um, uh, Flash's girlfriend uh, doesn't show up in Whedon Cut at all, and she gets an extended cut. slow-mo car crash sequence here um the the uh, the asian man who works at the lab i'm not sure what his character's name is but he becomes the adam later in dc universe he just like isn't really in the whedon cut either so it's like yeah yeah, no wonder there are these allegations about Joss Apparently, Whedon. and I've, I've been curious now since I saw it, like who it was, but apparently like somebody who was playing a minor character, um, it, more of a like a glorified extra, Whedon also wanted their skin tone digitally lightened in post-production. Ooh. <sighs> yeah. So, Ooh. Uh, and the one that is most galling to me, sorry, we'll talk about differences between the cuts in more detail, I'm sure, but Um, one I have to yell about right off the jump, they're anecdotal reports that so in the Whedon cut, there's this scene, kind of the mid-movie fight scene in the like, you know underneath the harbor in that little tube where Mm -hmm. the hostages are being held, where the Flash trips and he falls down and he lands on top of Wonder Woman with his head sort of pillowed on her breasts and it's like a haha look at this gag in Joss Whedon's mind uh, apparently he um, also did that with was it Hulk and Black Widow that yes. definitely has happened in a Marvel movie yeah it's I it think was. one that he directed so it's just repeating the same little boob gag that he did that time. like is that that's his signature like <laughs> whoops <sighs> tripped and fell on some boobs but the anecdote uh unconfirmed is that gal gadot refused to film it and joss whedon just got her double to do it anyway oh yeah she was one of the ones who spoke up in support jason momoa was the first one of the the main actors in the film to stand up and cast his word in alongside Ray Fisher's. And then Gal Gadot um, also yeah, said that it was a, an unpleasant work environment without giving many specifics. <sighs> well, t- sh- 
shall we talk a little bit more about uh, sort of the overall thing is the bad guys want the mother boxes so that they can unite them to uh, turn the world into a parademon filled apocalyptic nightmare and Batman, a.k.a. Batfleck, a.k.a. sad Bruce Wayne, needs to assemble a team of superheroes to stop Steppenwolf from uniting the Mother Boxes, uh, which includes prominently resurrecting Superman from the dead. What what details should we fill in here? Um. Well, you have to talk about Willem Dafoe. Do- <laughs> <laughs> oh, clearly... <laughs> We had a Willem Dafoe double feature, guys, last week and this week. What did we talk about last week? He was that in, was Chris uh, and Walken. Jamie Dornan Chris thinks he's a beat. <laughs> Are you serious? I get yes. them confused every time. No, that was not. Was that Christopher Walken? It was Christopher, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is the one. He's the one who dances in the Fat Boy Slim video, correct? Ye- and Willem Dafoe is the one who's the Green Goblin and was in the Lighthouse. Yes, you got your Walken <laughs> Dafoe differentiation skills. Christopher Walken was married uh, to John Travolta in Hairspray 2008. Okay. And Christopher Walken is the one who was in that movie King of New York where Lawrence Fishburne delivers the briefcase full of tampons and the guy who opens it thinks it's going to be full of money and it's like what the fuck and what is this for and he's like for the bullet holes Tito and then there's a huge gun battle that erupts and okay. (laughs) Also from Wild (laughs) Mountain uh Wild Mountain Time. Oh my God. I've been telling myself for a week now that I was mistaken, that I thought that was Christopher Walken, that that was Willem Dafoe in Wild Mountain Time. And all this time, they were two separate individuals. Yes. (laughs) Let's go to the pub and have a Guinness. I've I've lost my my walk-in since last week. Damn. Well, Willem Dafoe is an Aquaman of sorts, a lesser Aquaman in Justice League, not like Momoa level Aquaman. An Atlantean in the parlance of uh, the DCEU. But yeah, it gives us more backstory on almost all the characters and we see more of their their homes, whether that's uh, the Isle of Lesbos or the uh, underwater um, place where Aquaman is from. We get to know a little bit more about their relationships with their homes and um, the guarding of these mother boxes throughout history. Yeah, which humans like royally sucked at. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) I can't stop laughing about it. Like the 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 Isle of Lesbos creates uh, like a, a tower, and then the the fish people like make an underwater tower. Is it a tower if it's underwater? Semantics. Um, and it then, can be a tower. The humans just like. <laughs> <laughs> they they go to the backyard and they dig a hole like barely tall enough to hide the yeah. thing that could destroy civilization. <laughs> I was like the first big flood and it just gets it just gets resurfaced instantly. <laughs> They're probably like, well, that's that's a bonus because then it'll be relocated and nobody will know where it is. <laughs> and we learn from Cyborg that the the Nazis found it because that is how movies understand the resurfacing of all ancient artifacts. And um and that's how Cyborg 
it sort of ends up in the hands of Cyborg, who I guess we should talk about so because Cyborg, his role is dramatically expanded. This is my first viewing. I did not watch the Whedon cut, but Cyborg is like a hot but tormented Cyborg who is upset because he had a close and loving relationship with his mother, not so much with his um, overambitious, never-at-home scientist dad. And then I thought like we were going to have to watch a clip of him getting like paralyzed in a high school football game of which he is the star. But no, he survived that only to get completely crushed in a car accident with his mom on the way home from the big game. And his mom died, but his dad, we come to find out, used one of the mother boxes to resurrect his head and upper chest with a cyborg body that has incredible powers and he like can hack into anything and interact with any computer systems and he can also fly and he's like hard to kill and stuff. And he's upset about that. And then probably also because his dad left Left the mother box in a crate in his closet. Yeah. You lose a mother and you get a mother box. Not a very good substitute in Cyborg's mind. At least at first. I actually found his story so touching. I really liked him. He was one of my favorites. And uh, someone pointed this out on Twitter. He does maybe the only act of genuine heroism shown in any superhero movie in inflating the bank account balance of a struggling, like working class person. (laughs) Everyone else is like, you know, like breaking the spines of like petty bank robbers. And Cyborg is out here like, you know, giving money to the poor. Have some stacks. Like, (laughs) right. I, first of all, that's an... That's a great point. I hadn't really thought of that. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop where he was going to like give her the money and then she was going to immediately get arrested. So I was like, oh, but that didn't happen, which was nice. Um, Same. I was so scared. (laughs) Yeah, I had, I have some questions. I'm relatively familiar with Cyborg. I've watched him in Doom Patrol and of course the, the masterpiece Teen Titans. And I have some, I guess... Not beef per se, but some discrepancies. Number one, I want to know how bad this car accident was to where he is literally just like half of a person. Like in previous iterations of Cyborg, he is like roughly 50% human, give or take. But in this movie, he's yeah, this like was more like on the 28 25% cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only a head and some shoulders left. Yeah. And I and I didn't really understand. For me, they didn't give me enough um, about how he was connected to the mother box. Like, In a perfect world, we would have gotten an entire cyborg movie before this that introduces the mother box and then later have Justice League where the mother boxes actually play an antagonistic role and then the mommy boxes, excuse me. And mommy box. Then it kind of <laughs> it it makes more sense. I just didn't love how all of the characters were kind of thrown at me, like the Flash and Cyborg, and also what was his name, Martian Marshmallow Man, the guy at the very end. 
That I fucking killed me too. Like they did a build up to the drop, and then he's like, "Some know me as," and I was like, "Oh, what's he gonna say?" Because I'm not super familiar with like DC other characters besides you know Batman and villains. The Marshmallow Hunter. Yeah, I know him from the Super the Super Girl. Um. Supergirl series. Like that is uh, yeah. the fucking Hannah stupidest also, name. That yeah. is like something Elon Musk would come up with. Yeah, like I- <laughs> his his human name in the Supergirl series, and I believe in the comics is John Jones. Uh, so it's or John Jones or something. So it's like isn't that you know, also take, there's a UFC fighter named John Jones or something? He loves alliteration. Whatever planet he's on. <laughs> His name has to be alliterated. He learns a new language and then he's like, boom, let me figure out how to do alliteration in this one. I just feel like I, I'd i like to talk to... I'm so sorry that I'm hogging this conversation now. I just have a lot of feelings no, that I need do. to talk out. Please, um, we love it. Um, I just feel like I don't know if Zack Snyder... I don't know if he had it right with with his his vision here because when you have names like dark side steppenwolf martian marshmallow manhunter um granny good <laughs> granny darkness granny goodness um it just i just don't know if the super uber gritty up sucker punch-esque approach is right here it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't fit, in my right? opinion. Like, I, I I, want the, like, Joel Schumacher level of camp, you know? I want to see Poison Ivy come out of a big purple gorilla costume in a drag show, is what I like from my DC. But I, <laughs> I will disagree, but later in the program. Okay, but no, to um to ride on Sadie's point though here, I agree with you, Sadie, that it was a lot to take in being unfamiliar with more. And I had seen, I saw the Snyder Man of Steel um back years ago, and like I, I think I watched it with my sister in law, like we rented it, and I really enjoyed that one. And then I saw Batman and Superman, Batman versus Superman, whatever, where they make up their death feud because they figure out that both their moms are named Martha and I really disliked that one and then I saw this one so that's my level of familiarity and it seemed like there was a lot of super traumatic backstory that there was just not time to really handle like when I mean Cyborg's whole situation is horrible like his dad is a real piece of work and there's you know how are you going to address that like when you've got all this going on and then the stuff with the flash like why is his dad in jail for being falsely convicted of killing his mom Mom, like, I don't fucking know. Where did he make that hideout from? I don't know, but I approve of that because if you're going to be a DC su- superhero, you should have a cool hideout. But to me, it's it feels a little different with Marvel where at, where like they kind of assumed that you had seen the other movies before. So, you know, you couldn't really jump into Infinity War and game and, you know, not have at least a couple questions. Whereas this movie, it's fine to, to do that, but they kind of introduced a lot of characters for the first time to us, like Flash and other characters like there wasn't a flash movie to fall back on to understand the concept of like what his powers actually are 
what the one rule actually is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this was also where they introduced, because I did go to see the Aquaman standalone movie, which is kind of weirdly tonally oh. discordant after seeing this one. Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm being <laughs> murdered. Hang on, uh, keep talking. I need to I was get like, something to distract. Samantha has strong feelings about the standalone Aquaman movie. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I'm also being attacked by a large rat. Uh, I'll be right back. A large rat, hairless sphinx cat. Anyway, but yeah, this movie, the original, I guess the Whedon cut came out before Aquaman came out, right? So this was also the introduction to Aquaman was in this movie. So does that mean the first time we saw Willem Dafoe, who is not Christopher Walken, in this like underwater man role was actually this movie? Yeah, Aquaman came out after this movie. That's wild. That was a bad move, I feel. <laughs> yeah, so that's part of what I, I... It's like DC and Warner Brothers saw what Marvel was doing and they wanted to play catch-up. So I'm sure there was a, there was like a lot of pressure placed on Justice League. It had to introduce three like never before seen in film heroes to the audience at once. And so it's kind of no surprise that like a like a two hour cut of this like wouldn't be able to do that because even at four hours you, you're kind of like well I'd like to know a little bit more about the Flash and his dad or um, you know how Cyborg has spent the last few years since his accident or something like that. Yeah, what was Cyborg doing? Like just hanging out in that apartment in his hoodie being angry? Because we did get a little scene of Cyborg like figuring out how to fly and stuff when he decided to. So was he just like eating like takeout before? And like, I guess he doesn't have to eat anymore, actually. Does because he? like, Wow. Yeah, like all his like intestines and stuff are gone. Oh my God, that's the dream. Wow. <laughs> So the we know dream? who Samantha wants to be in this lineup. Although Samantha, <laughs> I also, would... <laughs> wait, let's, we need to get this on record. Samantha, explain. If I could replace my intestines with like just steel tubes, that would be so great, you know, uh, <laughs> to be able to eat without di- having to digest, you know, to, or to the contrary, to not have to eat at all. That would be great. I was going to say, that's the question to me, because it would be great to not have to eat if you didn't want to. But does this also conditionally come with like that you cannot eat? Like eating that's what is I was not a thing anymore? Because that would suck. Cyborg can probably tell his brain like taste buffalo wings and then he would just <laughs> taste buffalo wings <laughs> to to be able to not have to worry about the daily upkeep of the body, that's that's my Capricorn dream. Then I can just be an efficient machine focused solely on essential tasks. <laughs> so is that like maybe this is the um the you know conflict with Cyborg's character? Because what do we think his astrological sign was? And then a Capricorn dad turned him into Cyborg. I I don't know, but he's clearly not he's clearly not a Capricorn because if he was, he'd be like, great. Now I can uh, more efficiently, you know, dominate the world if I want to. But 
So we also get flashback story. He, his dad is in jail for a murder he did not commit. Um, and Flash wants to get a criminal justice degree to get him out. Aquaman has drama about whether or not he should be king of the water or not. Um, and he likes hanging out on the surface and rescuing Icelandic fishermen because nobody calls him king of the surface, as uh, Jason <laughs> Momoa says. People, just whole whole villages sing songs when he takes off his shirt and makes his exit. And then one lucky chosen villager gets to sniff his sweater. <laughs> the designated <laughs> sniffer. That's what they call her in the, the ceremony. <laughs> And Wonder Woman doesn't so much get backstory as she plays the role of exposition dump, learning about the history of the mother boxes and the structure of the villain's hierarchy so that she can let uh, Batfleck know like what's what and what's going on. Yeah, she got some pretty cool fight scenes at least though. And the Amazons got less. Well, Wonder Woman had already had her movie, I guess. I, I think the Wonder Woman first standalone came out before Justice League or did it also come out after? Anyway, it came out before Justice League, but it came out after Batman versus Superman, which introduced okay, her. And that's where so she Zack made. Snyder actually cast Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman okay. in, in the DCEO. And then they, okay. Because the Amazons in this one didn't get so much backstory. They got a little more of that in her own movie. And in Zack Snyder's Justice League, they were more like 300, but all women, which is really cheesy. Like every time they're yelling like, uh, I, I want to say Spartans, but Amazons. Uh, show him your fear and they're all like we, we have, have no, no fear and lord their spears and stuff but i mean i can't lie i did get the feels getting to watch like buff ladies do some of these ridiculous slow-mo like 300 style fight scenes so yeah zach snyder much. much like the kissing booth guy <laughs> loves fights he majored in fights <laughs> and no matter your your, your gender or or your race you get to fight and it's good if you fight um <laughs> yeah, and you fight. Uh, what was your favorite? What was your all's favorite fight scene in this one? Ooh, I thought the Wonder Woman bank scene was really good. I that was a really I good actually. Way to kick it off. I, I found this scene to be wholly unnecessary and way too long. However, I did really enjoy the mother box chasing scene uh, with the Amazons near the beginning of the movie. Just yeah. because it was a lot oh, of that when he's open like, road horses running around, it was good. When he's about to squash that one lady and she like shoots the arrow to like yeah. fling the mother box up to her compatriot who's like on the horse ahead, I was like, yes. I my second favorite I think and um, I will show my cards a little bit about how much I love Ben Affleck's Batman is uh, oh. Batman kind of hopping around on the outside <laughs> of the nuclear reactor uh, shooting the parademons with a laser gun I'm sort of obsessed with the way Zack Snyder has Batman move he's like this scrappy little marauder who just like I don't know. Oh, he, he he just like hops around and scurries around like a little rat. They should call him Ratman. <laughs> Ratman the Batman. Especially in Batman versus Superman. I really like the sequence where they fight in that movie. Like Batman ties like a rope around Superman's ankle after he weakens him with kryptonite and just like drags him through the building. He's such like a petty little like vindictive <laughs> piece of shit. And I love it. 
So is Batman also a Capricorn in Ben Affleck's portrayal? I think to be to become that rich and to have so few feelings, <laughs> you must be, right? <laughs> to be. Well, he's not a Virgo, probably, right? That, that would be my, because I feel like he would have chosen different paths if he were. Yeah. Well, to finish the summary, we should say... Oh, First, I want to say my favorite fight scene. Oh, yes. I thought my you were favorite. agreeing on the Wonder Woman. Uh, oh, I did scene. love the Wonder Woman scene. And I loved the Amazon scene because I liked the ladies fight scenes the best, mostly. Uh, my favorite part was when Steppenwolf comes down to get the mother box from the underwater tower of the, uh, the Atlanteans. And Mira, who will eventually become Aquaman's wife, is like Steppenwolf like zazzles up through the water and is like holding her to a wall by her throat and she's made a bubble of air around them in the water and he's like you cannot escape or something she's like I'm not trying to and then she like yanks out her arm and like water bends him or something I think she is like pulling all of the liquid out of his body she's it's pulling like, blood out of his yeah, face I thought it's like the it's like this reddish blood water is coming out of all of his face or as if it is and I was like yes drain him dry and then of course I guess he realizes that this is like some bad shit so he immediately like tosses her away from him you know but I thought that that was the fucking coolest that made Mira look really awesome that was a pretty Scorpio move and that one was my favorite so basically Steppenwolf gets all the boxes despite the best attempts of uh Fishman oh, and yeah. Wonder Woman also, to stop we him. Have mentioned that Steppenwolf has horns on his head and looks kind of like a hammerhead shark so far, but I don't think we have noted yet in this recording that he has really beautiful, kind of purpley iridescent armor with scales that flutter a little bit pleasantly depending on his mood. And he has little puppy dog eyes that only come out when he's talking to the big boss Dark Side. <laughs> and he has a little pouty <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I love when he bows down to Dark Side. And his armor comes like off on his shoulders and he looks very demure, like, please don't hurt me, daddy. I, I'm such a good little Steppenwolf okay. for you. Oh my God. I'm and so your the actor back, who played please. him is the guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy who was Julius Caesar on HBO's Rome. Oh, all right. And who's like in the terror and stuff. That was kind of surprising to me. I was like, did he also do the mocap? Surely he had a stuntman, right? He's a CGI monster and his voice has run through seven filters. <laughs> like, do you even need an actor at that point? Yes, to make those those big puppy eyes at Desaad begging to get to talk to Daddy Darkseid. Surely an actor of great talent is required. Of the many small details I love in this, I love that the villains have like a management structure. The Whedon cut just makes Steppenwolf like all of them. Like it collapses all of them into the figure of Steppenwolf. But here we have like Steppenwolf who on earth is terrifying, but then he has to like report into <laughs> <laughs> like his his boss who like, won't even let him talk to the CEO of like Evil Incorporated. Yeah. Like and so are they I was also Steppenwolf's backstory was not gone super into. Apparently he betrayed Darkseid somehow who is pissed off at him and they're like family. But now yeah, he has to like talk to Daddy's secretary if he wants to talk to Daddy. But partway through Steppenwolf discovers that the anti-life equation some kind of like algorithm or something that can like destroy all sentience in the universe 
is on Earth, which Darkseid had apparently visited before and forgotten about. So Steppenwolf is like, this will get me in good with the boss because the anti-life equation is here. And if we take over Earth, we can get it. We can get the, the mathematical formula that turns everyone into little glowing bug creatures. <laughs> Like, it's such a, I, I don't know why, like, and then in, like, Vin Diesel's fantasy universe of the Necro manga and stuff, like, why these big bads always want all sentient life to be destroyed, but yet, here we, here we, here we go again, as Brandon Fraser said in the trailer for The Mummy Returns. But the major late act development, or, like, act five development, I guess, is that they get all the, the they all the mommy boxes end up in Steppenwolf's cute little clutches, and so they've got to get Superman back, and they resurrect him with one of the mommy boxes. And Superman is pretty upset about it because he doesn't know who or what he is right away, and uh, tries to attack them until Amy Adams, who has spent the entire movie just grieving in uh, like Nick Cave. Uh, <laughs> slow motion sequences calms him down yeah then he gets to have a few minutes with like her and, and his Martha then he's like okay I'm Superman again but I'm gonna go back to the Fortress of Solitude and look through my whole closet no all of this is way too saturated I'm back from the dead now I am goth Superman and he puts I've on like a black myself. and gray version of his outfit and then he's ready to fight <laughs> so yeah I would <laughs> Um, I would just love it if they lost because Superman took too long picking up his outfit. <laughs> that was one of my partner's major concerns during at that time. And of course, he's always ready to criticize Superman because he has beef with Superman. But yeah, I well, was yeah, like, I mean, you gotta let the man process for a minute. <laughs> he kind of acts like he hasn't been around humans for his whole life like he acts like an alien sometimes which would be like valid if because i know he is an alien but he's not like he was raised in kansas um and also as a second point how much of this movie has the cgi'd out mustache because i couldn't tell if it was just none the in this one <gasps> are you serious it's only the weed and cut shots yeah so this is all og henry cavill footage and maybe a few reshoots that, you are uh, fucking with me <laughs> Zack snyder was able to do what? well why does he so, look so weird he was then? willing to shave for snyder <laughs> henry cavill just kind of has an uncanny look about him because I, I was like why is the cgi so bad for editing out his muscle <laughs> He just looks like a CGI man, I guess. <laughs> okay, speaking of like weird uncanniness also, like I still never watched because you two told me that it sucked, Wonder Woman 1984. And of course, I enjoyed the first standalone Wonder Woman movie. But Gal Gadot, like I guess it made more sense to me in the Wonder Woman movie, kind of her playing Wonder Woman when she's not actively in a fight scene as this super like wide-eyed, naive baby woman. Because then she was like, you know, introduced to Earth for the first time and everything was new to her and stuff. But sometimes she has like, she does this like look of vague, simplicity 
that may and maybe this is like colored by knowing that Gal Gadot put out that like imagine celebrity singing video last year but sometimes it's a little weird for me like I would like to feel that Wonder Woman like has some cogs turning inside the old brain space yeah Gal Gadot is an actress I think she has the look of Wonder Woman but as an actress is pretty wildly inconsistent across her appearances in the DCEU I think she was best at the fish out of water stuff in OG Wonder Woman because she kind of has the vibe of an alien. (laughs) Anyway. Like the girl Mackenzie Davis who was in the Kristen Stewart lesbian Christmas rom-com. She just kind of gives off an alien-esque. And then in Wonder Woman 84 sort of bizarrely all she gets to really do is like be sad about her boyfriend who died like 40 years ago. Um, So. That was kind of extra weird when like Cyborg pointed out in this one and I mean not that like grief is with you forever I realize like that's you know I'm I don't want to be flippant about like she should be over it you know for but when Cyborg points out that she's 5,000 years old and like her big loss that she's upset about in her life is her boyfriend for like two weeks and not like Robin Wright that's a little weird to me. But. Yeah. They didn't even, in the first one, um, I don't think they fucked in Wonder Woman 1. And when they fucked in Wonder Woman 84, it was while Steve Trevor was like inhabiting the body of <laughs> some other guy in DC. Oh, it's a no. weird movie. I don't know that you should subject yourself to it. But uh, to finish off the summary, <laughs> 50 minutes in, <laughs> Superman arrives just in time to stop Steppenwolf from preventing Cyborg to separate the mother boxes. Um, our heroes win. And then in an oh, epilogue, we get- the Flash has to run really, really, really fast. Like to nudge time back. Fast by a few seconds and he does and that was a cool looking scene and it kind of reminded me of like the devil may cry reboot that called itself dmc some of those parts where you hopped up little like paths that like unveiled themselves before you so that was cool i loved how they filmed the the flash running that it's not just like oh look how fast he's going he's going so so fast it's like yeah. he's so fast that he's sort of like uh, he has this like slow loping like gait and uh... <laughs> yeah I like that you see it from his perspective and not everybody else's that just like oh he's over there now and also that was probably one of the most badass scenes in the whole movie was where resurrected Superman is fighting all of them and he's got like all of the other Justice Leaguers like, like he's gonna kick their asses and then the flash is running really fast and superman's eyes can just like track him no problem and the flash is making like an oh shit face because nobody can ever see him when he's in the in fast mode you know yeah i love that it makes superman as powerful as he should be i forget how weed and cut handled this maybe they had him go off and like save the russian family who mercifully was removed from this cut of the movie because i don't need civilians in peril to like i don't know feel the stakes of this or whatever but like when superman shows up it's like game over he just like punches steppenwolf and like it's done you know which is how (laughs) superman 
Superman should be. Like he's all powerful, he's all strong, and he lasers Steppenwolf's horn off of his head. His head. Uh, Batman stabbed him with a kryptonite spear. Yeah, he was weakened, but then they find out that Batman Batman is going to kill him. But then they're like, "Oh no, uh, Batman all weakened him with kryptonite," and then the monster uh, like stabbed. He got hurt by a. He had to hold a kryptonite spear to kill this alien monster and he held it for so long that he died while thrusting it into the the monsters yeah and like batman had already though it was like he wouldn't have been like nerfed enough to die if batman hadn't been out to kill him all that time but then they were both like your mom has the same name as my mom and then they were like okay we're friends now and batman in this one is like in love with him i mean i'm sure we will we will get to talking more about that but when batman i mean not that batman had a fucking chance anyway but when resurrected superman is coming is kicking everybody's asses and like batman doesn't even defend himself but he's just like no clark like i love you remember me kind of you know I'm the guy who tried to kill you. (laughs) Don't kill me. Yeah. So, and then the the epilogue is just like, uh, uh, we see Lex Luthor plotting to hurt Batman with Deathstroke. Slade Wilson, played by an actor who I recognize, but do not know the name of. Magic Mike XXL, Joe Man. Yes. Mangatello? Uh, Manganiello. The one that thanks for the, was it Cheetos or Doritos and water? I was a little zazzled when I watched that scene. It's been a minute. Yes. Again, movies that deserve a four hour, like, auteur director's cut. Magic I watched Mike it two XXL. weeks ago and I've watched it one. again. We should do that for this podcast at some point. We should. Instead of a four hour <laughs> superhero movies, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, we also see Martian Manhunter visiting Bruce Wayne and being like, hey, good job. Let's do more stuff in the future. And then we get a nightmare vision of a post-apocalypse in which Darkseid has corrupted Superman and our remaining surviving heroes are like trying to band together to s- stop it but that none of that is the reason that this is a nightmare scenario i mean that kind of sucks but the real reason it's the nightmare is that we find out that for some reason they're still determined to keep casting jared leto as the joker and (sighs) he still very apparently has just as high an opinion of himself as ever and it was just absolutely insufferable for those few moments he was on screen i generally like all of the casting in this movie except for jared leto is is joker i just i can't i can't go with Zack snyder on that bridge he just plays him so bad in in a landscape where so many great actors have played him you know jack nicholson heath ledger and then i don't know jared leto seems to be doing just kind of impersonations of multiple jokers without bringing anything like really unique to the role i feel like they should have um I I guess I was thinking, you know, because Mark Hamill has iconically voiced the Joker in a lot of properties. But I was just like, as a little like daydream thought experiment after I watched it, imagining the same scene in my head. But if like current modern day Mark Hamill played it and I love it, actually, I think, you know, if it just weren't Jared Leto. (laughs) Yeah, I... (laughs) 
<laughs> Even um, Alan Tudyk, who voiced the Joker in the Harley Quinn series, would have done a better oh, job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's kind of got those, like, he could do those weird staring eyes that he could do. If he you know? brought the energy that he's bringing to Resident Alien on sci-fi right now, um, by the way, it's a great TV show. Watch it. Um It'd be great. Also, you guys, I am so excited for the Robert Pattinson Batman movie that is yes. still yet to come. And for Fuck. Zoe I'm so ready. For Zoe Kravitz to be Catwoman, for Paul Dano to be the Riddler. I am super psyched about the casting. I think the only thing that could put it even more over the top than that, and maybe they'll actually give us this, but they'd keep it a secret, obviously, because it would break the internet, is that I think in the Robert Pattinson version, Kristen Stewart. Where it should be the Joker. <laughs> Lady Joker. Had had the comics ever made Joker a woman? They really fucking should because it's like it would be like her origin story would be like some dude like telling her to smile on the street once too often and she just loses it and like Go, you know, uh, I feel I feel like a lady Joker is more believable than a male Joker, quite honestly. And would we have like Harland, uh, Harland Quinzel or something? <laughs> no, she can then Harley can just be like gay across the board there. Like instead of like, I don't know, starting out with her shitty relationship with Joker and then getting with Poison Ivy. The same thing can happen, but they can just both be women. Yeah. Well, we've we've managed to condense it. Let's talk general reactions <laughs> before we we get to the task at hand. Um, I will start on a note of positivity. I was not expecting to like it. I thought it would be four hours long. I thought it would be, uh, you know, two hours of slow motion. And it almost was. Um, I didn't like Man of Steel. I thought Batman versus Superman was confusingly edited and structured, but I really liked a lot of the ideas in it and I liked the the battle that they had. So I was like, you know, um, I sort of like, and I'll admit to this, just wrote this off as this quixotic fan quest of like, why do you, why do you even want this? Is it really going to be that much better or different than um, the theatrical cut? And I gladly eat my hat because I actually really enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I've seen it twice. What does your hat look like that you're eating, Samantha? I just want a visual here. It looks like Sam Jackson's Kangle hat. I'm I'm just (laughs) chomping down on it. It's a baby pink version of Sam Jackson's Kangle hat. That's Samantha's hat. I'm not like a Snyder aficionado, you know? Like, 300 was dark and fighty. Um, I didn't really watch Watchmen. I haven't seen Sucker Punch. But like, you know, I think he has a reputation for uh, just slow-mo fights and gritty and dark. But like, this movie had a surprising degree of like, earnestness and humanity under it. Like, you know, they all have uh, really interesting relationships with their parents or their points of origin. And Cyborg, like, you know, helps the like, single mom. And instead of just showing us like, one clip of like, Cyborg you know like raising the bank account balance of the single mom 
we see him like following her like life story through surveillance footage like before deciding to do that it just has this like surprising heart and gentleness to it that i think people don't expect from snyder and then it also delivers a lot of really cool looking like slow-mo fight sequences as well so if you haven't watched it yet samantha recommends going in with low expectations and then you'll be happy <laughs> I I think you could go in with high expectations and still be pleased. It is my favorite superhero movie since Spider-Man 2. Uh Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. What? <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man 2 does not exist. I Thanos that movie out of existence. Okay. Sadie, you're going next because I feel like I'm gonna be middle of the road between the two of your reactions. So I feel like you you would be best to respond directly to Samantha's take. Um, okay. Well, so I found myself not certainly not enjoying myself for the first half, but because I, I get so distracted by places where I feel like it could have cut down on time. I feel like there were some spots where it was like, it it's doing the, in my opinion, it was doing the movie a disservice being as long as it was some scenes. But, and also it was bothering me how there would just be like 30 to 40 minutes of just no conversation between any people. It was just like fight scenes and like quips and like, slow motion stuff that takes like 10 minutes to get through um but i i i enjoyed the first half of it kind of i feel like it was kind of i don't know it was it was fine i even told my my roommate elliot i was watching with him that i liked it more than Endgame or infinity war just because it was unique and it was doing something fun and kind of artsy and you know interesting um it completely lost me in the second half. It, there were things that they didn't do well. Like, I, I just don't think that DC has yet mastered how to do an ensemble movie. Like, I just don't think that they've cracked it. Because I there were some conversations that just felt really weird and stilted to me. And I don't know if some of the scenes were shot very well. Like, it just kind of... I don't know. There was like a scene where they're all talking, all, everyone in the Justice League, and the shot gets like three or four of them each time, but it was all like directly facing them. And it was just a small thing, but it was really bothering me. And then the epilogue destroyed my entire week. <laughs> I hated them. I hate, did I say monologue or epilogue? I hated the epilogue. Epilogue. <laughs> because, well, first of all, I didn't understand that it was a dream sequence that was happening with the Joker. Um, I, Hannah tuned in at this point and she was like, this has to be a dream sequence. And I'm like, but if it's a dream sequence, then why has it been going on for 15 minutes? And then when it, shows him waking up I was like are you kidding me and then in the end it shows Martian Manhunter Marshmallow flying away and I was like why is the last was character like the we see <laughs> a person that we don't know <laughs> like why um so yeah I I liked the second half pretty pretty well I think it was 
interesting and i i loved the the scene with the amazons fighting steppenwolf i didn't understand what the fucking mother boxes were for most of the movie (laughs) i still don't understand what the anti-life is i don't know much about dark side but yeah, it's okay. I do have some beef with Zack Snyder. I'll, I'll you know. <laughs> but anyway, Jen. Pre- pretend if you snip the epilogue off, Sadie, if you pretend that it ends with them standing on top of the reactor, having saved the universe, can you think of a modern phase Marvel movie that you liked more? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I recently... <laughs> Yes, I I recently rewatched Civil War, and I actually really like Civil War. And I also really like Spider-Man 2 Far From Home. Yes, I I love Spider-Man. Yes, I do too. I think it's so good. I recently rewatched it last night. And well, okay, I, Samantha, you tweeted that one of the things that you liked about this Justice League was that you understood what was happening, but I had no idea what was happening. (laughs) I, I have never felt more lost. Like when I was watching the fight scene, I was like, I don't understand what Aquaman's powers are. I don't understand how he can defy gravity in the way that he's defying gravity when he was flying through the air with those parademons. I didn't understand why (laughs) Batman's little car seat got ejected and then he was just flying up in the air for a while. I didn't understand why there were alien machine guns outside of the hive. I didn't know where the hive was in New Jersey, question mark. It also looked like Chernobyl. Russia. The, well, that tracks. This also, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that maybe both Samantha and I dealt with the setting of the the final battle a little bit better or just without questioning so much because it was like, just like the finale of a Halo video game. You know, there's just random gun like turrets everywhere game. where you have to go take out the like nobody boss. <laughs> And that's why I yeah. was like not so invested we were in it. Probably just like okay. <laughs> I wasn't invested in it because I'm like I'm watching a video game cutscene. Like I'm I <laughs> with like no streaming commentary. Damn, <laughs> definitely some similar DNA. Yeah, I want to get to Jen's reaction, but I will say briefly what you raised, Sadie. Like I. I've seen some people making fun of this, but I like how much care the movie takes to just like keep you up to speed on various plot points. Like, like Steppenwolf has like four Skype calls over the course of the movie (laughs) where he's like, I have the first mother box. I'm going after the second one now. And then the next one will be like, okay, I have two. They're looking for the third one. (laughs) Yeah, it was like mundane check-ins, you know, like... (laughs) But I sort of like how procedural it feels, like, all around, that both the heroes and the villains are, like, working on these tasks that require, like, incremental progress. And the movie, uh, like... I think without wasting too much time, although your patience levels may vary, like lets you know what's going on. And I especially like that before the fight scene at the end, we see a scene of them being like, 
Batman's going to disable the defenses from the air. Cyborg is going to get to the box. Flash is going to try to like charge the box. Wonder Woman and Aquaman, you are like general all around support. And so that when the fight scene happened, like I knew what to expect each character to do and I could measure their success against the plan that had been told to me in advance. I loved that. (laughs) Maybe my brain is just getting older, but I'm hitting a point where showing me planning and then putting things in extreme slow motion like allows me to actually follow these like frenetic action sequences. I did like that the perhaps it arguably excessive use of slow-mo like did let you know what was going on because there was a phase there for a while where action movies were just completely incomprehensible because I don't know if it was like to save money on stunts or whatever but like where where fight scenes would I guess was it the born identities that did yeah, this to us was I that think so. where the camera would just cut so fast you couldn't tell what the fuck was going on with anything so yeah I, I was able to follow this you know I knew mostly I didn't always know exactly why they were doing it but but yeah and I find that frustrating in some of the Marvel movies where they're all fighting in a large ensemble but there's no like like Samantha said no planning shown or anything so it's like they're all just psychically linked or something that they're all doing these things that come together but there's no communication about it like the end of Endgame I haven't seen Endgame but I've seen that scene memed endlessly where they're all just like on some muddy red backdrop and like they're all just showing up and it's like oh I guess the plan is everybody just runs at each other and like uh, <laughs> fights and then it, you just have to surrender to the spectacle you there's no way to like chart like who's winning right now are they accomplishing their goal like I, you just have to kind of turn your brain off a little bit but anyway Jen <laughs> do you thread the needle where do you land Okay, I mean, I, I, threading needle, all right, I guess. I'm like sort of in and around and up and over your all's reactions on several points. I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Also, it revealed to me yet again things about my tolerance for sitting through like <laughs> visual, like, you know, movie style properties. I, um, I ended up watching it in two sessions. I think I would have probably enjoyed it more if I had spread it out to like four separate watches like Sadie did because I'm I'm like a TV show watcher more so than a movie watcher and I got really irritated with it in the midpoint when they're going into the Nazis finding the mommy box and like hitting me with anti-life when I was like crabby and wanted to go to bed you know (laughs) so then I I really did enjoy the I like the Flash's big save at the end and I mean that was cool that Superman got his outfit picked out in time and finally made it in there to help him out and everything came together at the right time and Batman was able to scamper around the edges, you know, and uh, do his thing and and it all came together. But then, like Sadie said, the epilogue was irritating because it was so long. And (laughs) and we had just seen, I guess it's sort of it was material that Marvel has trained us to see like a five minute mid credits scene 
to sow the seed for future properties. So I kind of, I respect them for just sticking this on the end instead of making us like wait for it mid credits. But then at the same time, it was like, we have this great hopeful, you know, like I would have liked it a lot if it would have ended at the point where they defeat Steppenwolf. And then if Darkseid had said, walk with me, granny goodness, like Samantha (laughs) suggested. And then (laughs) that portal closes and we see our heroes standing triumphant at the, you know, scene of the big fight scene. I would probably be ready to give this a five of five stars. But then instead we have to see like 20 more minutes of Jared Leto masturbating to his own self as the Joker. And then somebody really trying their best bless their hearts to make some call me the Martian Manhunter line to work and then they just leave us with that that yeah (laughs) was kind of an interesting ending choice (laughs) and you know DC needs way more women heroes I was always super into Batman as a as a kid like when I was little little my parents started letting me watch Adam West's Batman and there are so many fun colorful lady villains in that but not really but then as far as heroes we kind of got in this movie we have Wonder Woman who is like the blandest of all of the ones we saw of the heroes in this movie she's just a lady with cool well-tailored asymmetrical outfits you know when she's not fighting and that's her thing and then Mira got to come in a little bit Aquaman's future boo but she's sort of like the Wonder Woman of below the sea you know not much personality just dedicated warrior type and Lois Lane is a really dedicated grieving girlfriend and Diane Lane made a few sad faces and you know like I guess if like the Flash gets to have a little bit of you know sassy personality and you know so I don't (laughs) I would I would like there to be more ladies besides Amazons show him your fear we have no fear which was cool you know but going forward if there are going to be more Snyder cuts in the universe I would like there to be a lot more women getting to do more varied things yeah hopefully I I don't know if he'll get to make more of this but I want to see a fish lady Mira in the post-apocalyptic landscape does she have to carry around water do they have to periodically dunk her in a tank (laughs) I don't know I would be so interested to know the yeah because they could make these bubbles of 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 air under the water which is I guess how they vocally talk to each other so they don't sound like when you like when you try to talk under a you know like a pool to each other but yeah that was my personal favorite little I rewound it because I was like whoa did she just start pulling all the fluid out of his body and like and I just thought that was the coolest and that was something very unique in the you know the fight scenes where mostly they just punch each other really hard and go really fast you know yeah well before we leave general reactions I need to take this opportunity to say just fuck Joss Whedon I guess (laughs) like oh my god so after this wrapped I had a vague memory of watching the theatrical cut. And then I watched YouTube compilations of like the differences, which uh, I should send you the best one. But like Joss Whedon did extensive reshoots 
Mostly it seems to, one, make the fight scenes worse, and two, just to add dumb little, like, Marvel movie-esque, like, jokes. Like, all of the characters are just telling jokes all the time. Like, the Flash goes on a thing about brunch in the Whedon cut that feels like it's from, like, 2000s-era stand-up comedy. Uh, Like, Superman uh, says that being resurrected felt itchy. Um, Batman says, like, well, I don't not like you to Superman. Like, all of these dumb jokes that Joss Whedon thought, like, I'll make it fun, I'll make it light, and I'll, like, insert boob gags in here, too. And it's just, like, it is galling to me like and this ties into the like metatextual reasons why i like the movie so much that you have this like really singular creative vision for the movie and yes is it weird absolutely will it satisfy everyone nope but like at least it has a point of view and like something to say and the studio just got so fucking scared that they just needed to like bland it up and try to make it like every other superhero movie on the market and as a result they made a bad movie that spawned like a huge unprecedented fan movement to like uh, just get the old movie back like I don't know I am kind of amazed at that because I used to like scoff at the uh, like hashtag release the Snyder cut because I was like how much could he even have filmed already like what but i i see now after joss whedon came and tried to put his own like joss whedon marvelized stamp onto it like why people would want to see it as it was originally intended but i i do feel like one thing that i have to note is like one it's a movie like i i understand fans who feel like they were cheated out of a better movie when the original uh lesser quality justice league came out but like it's a movie like it's justice league and so it's a little bit like i definitely think that the presence of hbo max and also the pandemic and etc etc led to this movie existing you know and actually having a four hour four to three ratio director's cut of uh (laughs) justice league 2017 however like this wouldn't have happened if Zack snyder had not been a straight cis white guy (laughs) director you know i because who has had i think that he has really good vision with some of his movies but hey he has had a pretty um you know rocky um resume in some ways like you know sucker punch huge massive failure uh batman versus superman a pretty big flop man of steel not great you know so i feel like i think that's part of why i'm a little bitter about it you know and it also kind of reminds me of like game of thrones when game of thrones ended and everyone was like we need a redo of of it and i'm like you just gotta let the bad things be bad 
sometimes you know (laughs) just let them be bad and just let it go (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no i mean i don't know it it at least, like, even if this movie had turned out weird bad, I think I still would have preferred it to just the bad bad that was Justice League 2017. <laughs> yeah, we can have talks about, like, how much of a priority is it to get a better version of Justice League 2017? But, um, like, I, I'm trying to think, besides Joss Whedon, off the top of your head, can you name any director of a Marvel movie? The Russos? No, because they're just, like, made... They're made by committee, right? They're just like bureaucratically yeah. like churned out. And besides Whedon and the Russo brothers, any other directors um, they have in are agree. just like doing. Because you or Ragnarok. If I, well, that's true. Which kind of seems like it was outside of Marvel and its own amazing yeah. thing because, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Marvel tried it with Taika Waititi and it was a massive success. I agree with you, Samantha. Like I, in terms of just like, because I feel like this movie fell into the more weird, bad territory, but I definitely probably enjoyed it more than I would have the original Justice League which again, I didn't watch, um, which I was hoping gave me a a better idea because I had no expectations going in because I hadn't watched the original. And yeah, like you can watch, like I could maybe have watched two minutes of of a fight scene in this movie and been like, oh yeah, this is directed by Zack Snyder. So for that, I think that it's, it's better and I applaud it for trying trying some some interesting stuff definitely yeah i just have a lot of feelings about it like like about the way in which you know uh studio executives stifle the creative process you know like just like you have you have people who want to make something and then you have these cowardly like suit wearing people who control the money who are like no it needs to be funnier uh people didn't like batman versus superman because it wasn't funny enough so make this one funny and like uh you know, you have like this whole team of people from Ray Fisher, Zack Snyder, whoever, who are like invested in bringing this thing to life, who all of a sudden, you know, get this imperative to just like make it some like jokey, like, honestly, it would be fucking terrifying to be an actor, like not only because you, you know, like, if you and like, Obviously, you must be really compelled to want to act if you go into this because you put all of this on the line, you audition, you sign onto these roles, but then it's your face and voice attached to something that goes so far outside of your control, the way it may be edited or, you know... like presented to the world and then you've just got to eat it like unless you're robert pattinson or jacob alordi you are not going to be favorably looked upon for like shitting on what could have been like your own like most terrible work experience (laughs) oh gosh and like my to that point like my heart goes out to like ray fisher and like if anything i am like glad about the movie coming back into existence for it's so that like justice can be paid to like his performance and like what he brings to that role because like i believe ray fisher about the mistreatment he says he experienced working on the original justice league and like to to go through that to bring so much to this character and then the movie 
comes out and you're in it for like five minutes when like in the original vision of it you were supposed to be like the heart of the movie um that's crazy like the yeah. emotional so, like, core of it <laughs> i can't imagine i don't what did they even cut from from his storyline because i i mean one of my complaints was that like we spent too long doing like slow motion shit and not enough doing even more deep dives into like conversations with the characters so i can't even imagine what they would have cut because he was like the focal point oh, like of how it would have made any sense if you everything. didn't explain yeah have you hey jen you've seen theatrical justice no, League, right I oh neither of you have no my oh partner my went to see it in theaters with one of his friends and then <laughs> was like well it was okay so i never so saw it. you see in the his dad is like barely in it and his dad spoilers 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 survives in the original justice league wait what how would that make any sense but that also gave like an emotional thing because dad was abusive and kind of shitty but then does something to help save them all at the end so then like ray, like i'm just gonna call cyborg's real name ray fisher you know yeah like when ray fisher is like oh my god my dad sucks but i didn't want him to die but now i have to like deal with this complex welter of emotion about him sacrificing himself without me asking for it when i was trying to save him to like give the rest of us a chance here that actually was kind of affecting. So that was not even in the original cut at all. His no. dad was just like, boop, boop, push a button, and I've survived. Like, what? You basically <laughs> see like a smidgen of him being moody. You see a video flashback of uh, him making Cyborg with the mother box. And like, that's basically it. Like the football scene isn't there. All this stuff with the dad. And I, I don't think the tape recorder conversation is in it the dad is taken hostage but survives at the end so that whole arc is like meaningless yeah like he's barely in it ditto the flash um wow so we didn't just really like cut out all the ray fisher stuff okay because i do <gasps> have to i want to go back because i said something about i feel a little bit uncomfortable with dc material when i feel like it doesn't know that it is like high camp you know but the yeah. only way that you can successfully pull off camp like that like it, you can do a wink here and there, but you can't be like Joss Whedon type self-protective snark to be like, you know, I'm going to put up a shield of snark first so that you could never criticize me for being goofy. That is like antithetical to camp. So at least even when it didn't work for me, Snyder like goes there. The grim dark tone doesn't always work for me. But yeah, I, I would say sometimes the flash got on my nerves, even in this version, when he was being a little bit uh, like the glib one in comparison to the other characters. But it, I just feel it would have been truly unbearable. He was a little creepy with that sesame seed convertible girl. <laughs> also. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just know? That was, you guys, I was really worried when he grabbed the hot dog about what i was like are you gonna take a bite of it you better not i loved this girl's when he face put it with in a hot his dog. pocket <laughs> i can't stop thinking about it. i wish that they had not followed up with him feeding it to the dogs but he was just left up in the dog. i was like oh a snack for later <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite's pocket tots, like. 
also uh, convertible girl was was Kiersey Clemens, um, who has has sort of made some buzz in smaller movies. I saw her in a movie called Hearts Beat Loud. I think she's like a former Disney person. Um, but yeah, she was apparently going to play a role in future movies, maybe. And and, and Joss yeah. Whedon was like, nope, bye. <laughs> well, they seated her. I thought she was going to show back up it within this movie. And so I would be surprised if she didn't turn up in future properties because they like she had such significance. But I guess Joss Whedon. Yeah, again, another character of color he could cut. So yeah. Also, uh, she's queer. Kiersey Clemens. <laughs> IRL. So representation. But um, yeah, well, this concludes our general reactions. Does anyone else (laughs) want to take a a five minute break before we rank the attractiveness of of the people? Let's do it, Samantha. We will not make you uh, sit for the length of the entire Snyder Cut. Like brunch. Like what is brunch? You wait in line for an hour for essentially lunch. Y'all, I made it through three minutes and 25 seconds of this seven minute, 11 second video. Samantha's just sent us of lines in the Whedon cut. I also made it around three minutes. And I'm going to have to take a break to process before I return. <sighs> well, it's, did you, either of you get to the, the brunch thing? No, I haven't no. even made it to brunch yet. Also, what? Ugh. how old is the Flash canonically supposed to be in this? I thought like brunch 20s, was a thing right? for like, yeah, like, I mean, he must be in his 20s. Like, he's he wants to go get a criminal justice degree, but he's pretty young. Like, he's definitely closer. And like, Cyborg was supposed to be like a high school senior. And then I guess it's been a few years since then. So they're both like early 20s, right? I guess. Yeah. I did yeah. in the Snyder cut, I liked their few little minutes of um their little flashes of friendship where the flash is kind of the only one to like check in on how Cyborg is doing emotionally, you know? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of seeing the differences is Imagine being Henry Cavill. You have a mustache and you're working on Mission Impossible Fallout where you're like uh like loading up your arms like they're barrels of a shotgun. Just like having a blast being uh like action villain. And then uh, and then the studio is like we need you back to be Superman. You uh we need to digitally remove your mustache. And you need to come back and play the role again so that he can say shit like uh, being dead felt itchy or um, or like, I really like being alive or like, you know, <laughs> all of this hassle just for like some dumb jokes. You know, I have never been a Henry Cavill fan and I am and you know but he is growing on me slowly over time one of my reasons for formerly disliking Henry Cavill uh, aged very poorly has done a total turnaround actually because he used to date Gina Carano for a while and I thought they were you know not knowing about how she is at the time Uh, you know like wow he likes like a really muscly lady this is really cool they look cute together I bet they have have fun doing whatever people who like to work out do in the gym and stuff. And then they broke up and he like started dating like a 19 year old college student. And I was pretty creeped out by that. But then lo and behold, Gina Carano is like a nasty right wing transphobe. So good work on extricating yourself from that Henry Cavill. 
And then I really, I don't like Henry Cavill as um, Geralt in The Witcher because, like, Geralt's supposed to be, like, a scrapper, you know? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's too pretty to be The Witcher. He shouldn't be beautiful and beefy. Like, he should be, like... Nick Nolte should be The Witcher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the dogs agree. The dogs do agree. Ready to make it happen. I was was ready to mute myself there, but they, they feel strongly about this. They're like, yes, Nick Nolte. Nick, 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 Nick Nolte. Nolte. I mean, damn, I was going to say Mads Mikkelsen, but now that you took it to Nick Nolte, like, there we are. <laughs> I can see it. He has kind of like the weird, like, uh, sexual magnetism, too. But it's also believable that whole villages of people would want to run him the fuck out of town. <sighs> well, anyway, friends, uh, listeners. <laughs> We decided that the way to make this work on a rom-com podcast is if we we ranked or talked about our feelings about the romantic potential of each member of the Justice League and the baddies. Um, so on the good column, we have Superman, Batman, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, Flash, in Aquaman. And our evil baddies, as shown in this movie, are Steppenwolf, Darkseid, Desaad, Joker, uh, Magic Mike XXL, slash Slade Wilson, slash Deathstroke, Lex Luthor, and uh, the Parademon, which we can collapse into one Parademon because they all look identical. We would like to note before beginning that falling in the good or bad column does not necessarily reflect upon the character's ability to be good or bad romantic partners. My front runner is Steppenwolf, <laughs> and I'll say that right out, right out of the gate. <laughs> Well, are we doing it together or are we ranking the categories separately? Uh, Sadie just started. I want to hear more about Sadie and Steppenwolf sitting in a tree. Let's go. (laughs) I wait. Oh, God. Should I should we like independently take a beat and like rank them in our brains? We can work back individually. God, I'm just like off the cuff. Okay, well, you threw out Steppenwolf whose armor is beautiful. Obviously, I want to sniff Aquaman's sweater. I don't know that he would be, you know, and uh, colored by, you know, Jason Momoa's marriage to Lisa Bonet, which makes sense that he would be a great husband to Lisa Bonet because she was like literally his childhood crush. And he was like, oh, my fucking God, I can't fuck this up when he got a chance to go out with Lisa Bonet. Like, hopefully Aquaman would be a good partner in that sense. But Aquaman, aside from like probably smelling really good, might not be your best like long term partnership option within this universe. Would he smell good though? He's in the ocean no, like, like half the time. Well, it, okay, it would like wash off like BO and stuff, right? He would smell like salt water, like not like he'd been like out camping in the forest for a while, you know? He probably would have like liquor breath as he is shown in Justice League, but like we can work with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sadie, tell us about your Steppenwolf feelings and then we'll get some more, some more order. Okay, I, I'm judging a lot of this based on my pure joy and delight whenever he came on screen. I just found him so <laughs> funny. Like his like his little armor and his little mouth. And he just, I don't know, his little weird <laughs> horns that aren't really horns and they're pretty easy to just kind of snap off. And like... He's just really, really dedicated to this um, 
like overlord who really doesn't give a shit about him and frankly like steppenwolf could just like fuck off and do whatever the fuck he wanted if he were inclined to do so but no he's like i'm gonna stick with this and i'm gonna do i'm gonna conquer as many worlds as it takes until i get back into his good graces and that's important in a partner oh my god (laughs) Sadie, you're right. Steppenwolf does it all for love. Steppenwolf is he holding does. up his little boombox in the rain outside of Darkseid's window. Like There is so much pathos in his role when he does the Skype call where he's like, please let me come home. I'm like, oh my God, I, f- I feel that. He's out here. He is a working class hero. He is out here like busting his ass, destroying worlds. He's kept out of the upper management due to some petty beef from like the past millennia or something and he just wants to go home to be with dark side he's almost like too relatable in this movie <laughs> oh, no. yeah where i'm like steppenwolf steppenwolf can have a planet as uh, as a treat <laughs> I mean, I think it was supposed to show like how like how bad he was or like that. But he let so many people like so many of these heroes would have been dead if Steppenwolf was like sadistic or personally took joy in just winning the fight and crushing these people. But he didn't. He just wanted to get his mommy boxes and get the fuck out. Like he wasn't like completionist about trying to like stomp all the heroes on his way to do so. Unfortunately to his detriment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just needs the boxes. And he he is cute, Sadie. I agree. He is cute. He looks like Like my hairless cat. I was showing you (laughs) comparison pictures. spinning image i so my for those reasons my front runner um is steppenwolf but i also have my official ranking of the justice league characters um if if you would like me to share go off please watch into it and this is also going while i listen to you i'm gonna rank my own okay okay i'm just gonna react to you all just straight vibes going off of just this movie so not like other iterations of the characters or other just like my experiences with these characters in this movie only okay so um dead last i have batman I hated when Uh-oh. he was on screen. You and Samantha are gonna fight. I'm sorry. <laughs> he looks like I needed to like feed him a beano. Like that's just what he looked like the whole time. Like he looked like he had indigestion. Well, he was like pop pop Batman. He was no, no. I not, yes. not again. Samantha, this is my post-apocalyptic it. nightmare. In my post-apocalypse, me and Jen are like traveling together to defeat Superman. And she's sitting on a car, mumbling to herself, being like, a pop-pop, pop-pop, Samantha. In this version, um, my straitjacket will also be tied again, like unnecessarily at the neck in a little bow, like Cary Grant did with his robe in, <laughs> in charade. <laughs> Um, then let's see. Next up, I have Aquaman. So he's my second lowest, just because I didn't like his vibes. And also Jason Momoa isn't my favorite person in general, like as a as a person. So I ranked him pretty he's low. A Leo. And also and, he, and also he's a Leo. <laughs> 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 
next up, so so third, third last is Wonder Woman, because I do think that Gal Gadot is attractive, but she just plays it like a cardboard box. Like she's, I don't know how I could have an hour long conversation with her. I can't imagine having a 10 minute conversation with her. So yeah, and she's, she she's out for me because of that. Get with you anyway, because all she does is like moon around about dead Chris Pine. So yeah. which is both fair Sorry. and also annoying. Um, then I have <laughs> Superman as my number three because I do find him kind of annoying, but he would take care of me, you know, that's fine. And also, I could live in a cute little farm house with a super jacked guy who is literally like invincible and that I, so I know I would never get attacked <laughs> and and die. Um, so that's comforting. And I like that he wears flannel shirts. I think that that's fun. And little his little Sherpa jacket at the end. Although he gets docked some points because he's having all of these movers move in uh, for him at this at the farmhouse at the end. And I'm like, why are you having all of these mortal people carry your shit? Like you can just like <laughs> lift up money. a bed with your pinky. Like I. <laughs> um, so anyway, he ain't shit for that. But otherwise. Fine. Um, and also, I feel like it's touching that he remembered Lois when he didn't remember anyone else. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> she is Amy Adams. That was actually the point in this movie where Amy Adams casting as Lois Lane made sense to me. Because it was like, who amongst us, upon being resurrected with superpowers, would not be like, Amy Adams, I love you. Yeah, exactly. So he's relatable. See, I handshake emoji with you on uh, on Aquaman. Ah, Thank you. Ah, 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 help me. See, so. now she's getting attacked because her cats know that Aquaman may not be a great, like, stable long-term partner, but Aquaman is very bangable. Zuma has a new habit of whenever she possibly can getting on my shoulders and resting her head on top of my head. And I don't know if it's adorable <laughs> or uh, or annoying. Both. We've yet to figure it out. But I think that Jason, the Jason Momoa love, no offense to anyone who's really into him, is just a case of like, if if a man is just like, looks as large as a door frame, there's a whole sector of the internet that will instantly be like, oh my God, he's the hottest guy I've ever seen. Just like based on sheer size. Size is impressive, but also his face, the eyebrow scar is not hurting anything and the hair. And that usually he is kind of like, I think that it doesn't hurt his reputation. Of course, this is, it was awkward in the movie though when they kind of brought that in, when like the Whedonism came in. Because he is a very, like, himbo-esque, like, jokey guy, IRL, you know? And he always gets cast in these, like, when he was, like, Cal Drogo and stuff, in these serious roles. And I feel like that was one of the, like, a great injustice to Jason Momoa. Because I absolutely loved the Kurt Busiek written, Carrie Nord illustrated Conan the Barbarian comics, right? I got super into that, and then I went and read almost all of the Robert Howard Conan the Barbarian books, and I had done this around the time they were getting ready to reboot Conan with Jason Momoa and I was 
so psyched because he is perfect casting for that because he's this huge like you know uh you know like uh, he he works like physically for the role he's this giant scary looking man but he's got this like goofiness to him that i think really worked for that so then i was so bummed that they tried to like seriousify conan and didn't let him be kind of like a so anyway, that was a big failure and I've been bummed about it since and just hoping for good things for Jason Momoa. So I kind of cannot extricate that from my view of seeing him as Aquaman and see was happy to see him as kind of this like goofy, he talks to fish character, you know. I must bring up though, while I'm on the subject, on this rant about Aquaman, how wrong and fucked up it was though my husband will not shut the fuck up about it and rightfully so since we watched this that before the uh the iconic in this movie scene where he goes out to the end of the pier and these huge scary waves crash up around him and then he's gone you know that was like made for the trailer he gets a bottle of liquor after he like rescues this fisherman and then chugs it but then he smashes it on the dock aquaman does not pollute the fucking ocean okay i don't care if he has not like claimed his birthright as king of the sea Aquaman yet, I do not think that Aquaman would smash a glass bottle on that dock and let it be washed into the ocean. It's glass though, won't it? I don't know, become a I mean, part maybe of a it'll be sea beach. glass. At least it was uh, at least they didn't show Aquaman like chug a plastic water bottle and throw it down. Now that would have been the true like just character assassination. <laughs> but <laughs> just, he's just drinking a Dasani. <laughs> he like rips uh one of those little rings that holds together a six pack of cokes off and just throws it in the sea. Like <laughs> that was the weed envision. You see you see, uh, what are the little birds in Iceland? The the cute ones, puffins. You you just see a bunch of puffins caught in them. No. And Aquaman, Aquaman is just no. like. <laughs> what did I miss okay. while I was extricating oh, a cat um, from my shoulders? Anyway, I'm sorry to derail. We're still in the midst of Sadie's ranking of the attractiveness and suitability of all of these characters as romantic partners. I just had to go on an Aquaman tangent real quick. Where are we in the ranking? Um, I have two left. I have two left. So really quick. So my number two is The Flash um, because I, I I know that people were like kind of upset with like the casting and everything. And I agree that we didn't really get to see a whole lot from him in this movie. But I thought that the scenes that we did get from him, like he just seems like a genuinely chill guy and that's really all that you can want in a superhero partner is just someone chill who will put hot dogs in his pocket and will (laughs) run around in circles really fast like I you know what I mean I am not immune to the hot person has you know run fast super superpowers I love I love The Flash and I love um, Quicksilver from Marvel and X-Men. So he's my number two. But then my number one has to be Cyborg because, first of all, Ray Fisher, hot. And second of all, I think that Cyborg would be funny and also would take care of me and also is the person who got the most characterization in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. And so I actually... I'm like invested in his in his personal growth as a human being and once and also he can give me money. <laughs> <laughs> 
very important. <laughs> a good point. I actually kind of ship the Flash and Cyborg together in this version. I'm sure that has been <laughs> written. Uh, <laughs> and you know, when we finish recording, graphic detail. I should go look it up. But yeah, I liked the kind of like tenderness and that uh, the Flash was the main one. They had a little scene with Aquaman near the very end where they after they kind of didn't know, uh, Aquaman was kind of uneven throughout. I felt like they didn't like that like know what to tell him to do like he should be overly serious or kind of like animalistic or he should be like and then he kind of gets like concerned about cyborgs like humanity at the end you know but anyway I like the little touches with the flash being like checking in on cyborg like he was a real fucking person because the other the older more seasoned superheroes kind of don't think about it that way like Wonder Woman gives cyborg the pep talk you know about like get the fuck over it and be a superhero but then the flash is the only one who is like oh Oh, you okay man you know and like checking in with him and kind of giving the others updates about his emotional status so that's some of the earnestness that didn't show up in the we didn't cut they were too busy like making little jokes to for the flash we gotta talk about brunch instead and oh again when i was asking about like how old they were supposed to be or whatever because isn't like brunch is like kind of a lady stereotype anyway isn't that like a ladies like what why is some like 22 20 three-year-old like dude who is putting hot dogs in his pocket like concerned about brunch you know you think the flash like wakes up before 2 p.m like has the flash ever attended brunch is he concerned about bottomless mimosas and omelets <laughs> like <laughs> Well, Sadie, I will do my Justice League ranking. It will be in ways similar to and different from yours, by definition, I guess. That was a meaningless (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Coming in at the bottom, Superman. Henry Cavill looks uncanny valley-esque, even without his mustache digitally removed from his face. Um, Superman himself, boring hero. He's just like all powerful, invincible, can fly, shoot lasers out of his eyes and is super strong and can see through things. Like it's an everything but the kitchen sink approach to building a superhero. I don't want to get it away from me. Uh, Aquaman is next because Jason Momoa doesn't really do anything for me and because he would want to spend too much time in the water. And while I like the water, I don't want to go under the water and talk inside a very cold bubble. Um, So logistical (laughs) concerns there. The Flash... Uh, Ezra Miller is cute and I do like the scene in the epilogue where he's like running trailing his hands behind him and like looking up to the sky in gratitude I thought that was like actually very beautiful but too many jokes not enough jokes or too too many jokes for my taste from the flash uh, Wonder Woman next, just from like a like an objective like conventional beauty standards perspective, you know, uh, very stereotypically pretty, and I she's very powerful but not boring powerful like Superman. You know, she's got a shield and a lasso, and she has to deflect the bullets with her armor. It's there's more to hang on to there. Um, and then Sadie, I'm I'm sad to tell you that my top two is a two-way tie between Batman and Cyborg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Samantha's living in a throuple. 
with Batman and Cyborg. I love sad Ben Affleck Batman. I love that he's just beaten down and wearied and um, is okay killing people. I find that murderousness to be deeply attractive. Uh, Ray Fisher is gorgeous, and I like the idea of Cyborg for the same reasons that you do. Uh, Infinite money. Um, We don't have to figure out what to eat together because he doesn't eat. And, um, And what else do you want from a relationship besides lots of money and not spending an hour uh on Yelp or Google Maps picking a restaurant, you know? Okay, you guys have inspired me now that I can list my ranking too, I think. And I am making us up on the fly because I have not thought about it at all till now. The bottom of my list is The Flash. He's a very nice young man and I enjoyed some of his running fast scenes the most in this movie. But you guys, I have dated men in their early 20s who can run very fast and will put a raw hot dog in their pockets. And my time of life with that is past. So <laughs> that's it for The Flash. Um, next. Uh, on my, my tie for, um, I don't know, what do you call? Like if you tie, like for second from the bottom, like the penultimate tie. Like I don't, anyway, um, both Wonder Woman and Superman are lovely in their ways. I feel like neither of them smell like a human being. Like when Superman is wearing his Superman outfit, he looks very beautiful, but I'm quite certain that he smells like a rubber hose. And also they are both, um, in love with and devoted to other people who are not me. And I wasn't (laughs) even taking that into consideration. I could never, uh, yeah. And even if you, okay, Okay, so even if like, you know, I was to step into the place of Lois Lane, right? That's just too much. Like, that's kind of like the ultimate, like, military wife scenario or whatever, in which Superman might disappear or be gone or doing some shit you really don't have any control over and you just have to wait. And that sucks. But then if he gets, like, resurrected from death, like, you're the only thing perhaps standing between him destroying the entire galaxy. Like, that's like a pressure that I don't need, you know? So mm, neither of them uh, for partners there. Let's see who else are we talking about here. Cyborg is very beautiful, and if he like has any interest in like human sexuality at this point, um, I'm sure he could do very interesting things with it. You know, and so he's great. <laughs> His auto defense systems would activate. <laughs> and destroy you (laughs) he needs a lot of therapy and with like a a therapist who could handle this and so i just don't think i'm ready for that yet um second to the top here before this is a separate ranking of just the justice league before we talk about the the bad guys um uh, I will. I've got Aquaman is my second to the top because he has very beautiful sweaters and looks very bangable. And um, you know, maybe for not a long term partnership, but sometimes he's like a vacation bay. You know, would you sing songs to the North Sea uh, in his honor? I feel like Aquaman might be able, with a little bit of effort, to inspire me to sing some songs to the North Sea in his honor. And I would definitely keep that sweater regardless. Hopefully he smells good, but if not, 
I bet you could like get the scent out of it somehow because that was a fucking amazing sweater. Like some of the knits he had on, where does he pick these up? Cause he always like goes into the sea shirtless and comes out shirtless. And then he has these like, you know, multi-thousand dollar sweaters. I want another hour of the Snyder cut. That's just like a local Icelandic person walking around the entire coast, creating sweater caches <laughs> so that when he comes to shore, he's always within like, like five kilometers of like a fabulous sweater that he can uncover. Like that's what they do to pay him back for like keeping them fed through the winter or whatever. They're like, we're going to make a fucking bomb ass sweater for Aquaman to wear in like the two hours or so he spends in our village. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, I note that you have not yet said Batman. Does this mean- This surprises me more (laughs) than anyone. Yes. (laughs) I did not foresee this coming. Okay. So when I was four years old, Batman is your second my second second crush. No, my third crush in this life, besides first it was the lion in Zoobly Zoo, then Raphael the Ninja Turtle and then it was Adam West as Batman and when I was like four years old if I had known how to write I would have had a prolific fanfic because I had this whole thing going where I had a self-insert fanfic where I played another character who was like my own age younger than Robin but I was called Batty and I had a cool hot pink bat outfit to wear long history with Batman here Sorry about my dogs. Anyway, they also have strong feelings about this. I fucking hated the casting of Ben Affleck as Batman in Batman versus Superman. I did not enjoy that movie. I don't really like Ben Affleck. Uh, But something about the the silver they gave his hair in this one, like how worn out he did. I don't know. Maybe just like I've gotten like mesmerized by all the pop poppery we've been watching lately on this podcast. But I was into Batfleck in this like one. He could handle a single punch. <laughs> <laughs> he objectively, you know, like, I could fully walk up to Ben Affleck and beat the shit out of him easily. That's why I go have my one night stands with Aquaman first and then when I'm ready to settle down I'm like, pop pop Batfleck like, let's retire and leave the heavy hitting to the others. Like, you just put on a sweater vest and we'll sit here and let Alfred bring us some tea and enjoy your wealth and gadgets and we'll just have a nice life. I'm gonna side with the amoral billionaire bitch boy Oh my god, don't you talk about Batfleck that way. Objectively, that's his official title, is Little Amoral Billionaire Bitch Boy over Cyborg, who could also give you unlimited riches, but he could just steal it from Jeff Bezos. You make a good point. And it makes me worry that Samantha and I may be going through some like, mid 30s mental phenomenon that has us like in a in a place lately that we're both like feeling the bat flick yeah i'm worried about myself like i (laughs) i did not expect this outcome at all say i feel like i'm not gonna condescendingly say in 10 years you'll like bat flack but i there, should hope there is not. something about my weird phase of mid-30s dumb where i'm like his exhaustion like echoes my premature like 
exhaustion with being alive. And like, if you were with Batfleck, you could be like, no, 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 Batfleck. Set the bat snooze for 10 more minutes. You deserve it. Like, let <laughs> yeah. these younger, fitter superheroes take it over. <laughs> I, I did not spend 20 years oh. fighting crime. I spent like, I don't know, five years working in digital media. And I feel like <laughs> as exhausted as, as Batman know, does in this movie. Batfleck, my love, if you're determined to go off with a marshmallow manhunter and do something right now, don't worry. I will stay here in this amazing cliffside household and with the aid I'm sure of your discreet uh, cleaning and maintenance staff will keep things in good working order for when you return. Yeah, you just get to sit there, <laughs> enjoy Batflex money, Alfred will bring you little aperitifs and uh, you can okay. just like... it would be cool to become friends with Alfred though, right? Seriously. Jeremy Irons Alfred is great, I think. I love his... Tea- the tea scene I thought was cute and was not in the Whedon cut of Alfred micromanaging like Wonder cute... Woman making the tea. <laughs> like a whimsical humorous scene that was not weedon Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Sadie, that we like that, that flex. So <laughs> I'm sorry, too. It's okay. I'm embarrassed, honestly. <laughs> okay, but we all agree that Steppenwolf actually is tops. I, and I think oh, yeah. we probably all have the same bottom ranks as well. <laughs> Mine is is Joker easily. Oh God, I fucking Mine's also hate Joker. him in this movie. I hate it. Like, oh, of all the castings of Joker, why did you have to do that to us? I hate Suicide the casting Squad of Lex Luthor a in nightmare. this movie too. Yeah, the only good thing that Suicide Squad did was cast Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, so that she was able to like launch off and make the excellent like uh, whatever the full title is, Birds of Prey and the Liberation, whatever the not the, Liberation, the Emancipation Fantabulous. of Harley Quinn, Emancipation. Yes, that was great, and I would also watch a four-hour cut of that movie much more happily than I watched a four-hour cut of this movie. Um, sorry, I was making sure my. My cats weren't destroying the window. Who should rank the villains first? I, I have mine written out. Well, go for it. Joker last for the reasons we've all discussed. Uh, Dark side second to last. He's powerful and uh, and I guess cool, but he just kind of looks like one of those guys who's at the gym like ten hours a day and like has no personality. And like he's petty. Clearly, as Steppenwolf has shown, if you piss him off, he's gonna hold a grudge about it forever. And like, ugh. Uh, Deathstroke, third to last, because I don't like his whole aesthetic. He looks like he's competing in the X Games in 1997 um, <laughs> in, like, the dirt bike division. Uh, Lex Luthor, smack dab in the middle of my list, because I kind of didn't know what to do with him. I sort of like that Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of him is similar to Mark his portrayal of Mark Wahlberg, because... Mark Zuckerberg. The real life... Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> Right answer. I want to see a Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Wahlberg movie now, though. This has awakened a new desire within me. He would have to undergo a dramatic physical transformation. He would have to work out for like five years. Just just capture his essence. (laughs) They can digitally muscularize him or something. But uh, I I was going to say Mark Zuckerberg is our real life Lex Luthor. Like we don't need a fictional yeah. Lex Luthor because the planet already yeah. has a Lex Luthor. And Redundant. Uh, Desaad is coming in at number three for me because 
I don't know. I, I kind of like his whole like like bitchy vibe a little bit. Uh, you identify uh, with Desaad. When we were yeah. speaking earlier, we were sa- classifying ourselves as characters, and you were the only one of us who chose an actual character for the from the movie, which was Desaad. Yeah, it, not uh, I, I, a lot of like people ending up high on this list by default for me. The Parademon number two, because short of Steppenwolf, I think the Parademons are the cutest. And then Steppenwolf top. He's he's got such cute little puppy eyes. He's just uh, he's but you know he's to not grind a top. Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah. meme I sent you guys the picture of the Steppenwolf with like the uwu eyes. Like that's his true the personality. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. I pr- I mean I l- let's see. Let's see. I Joker at my at the very very bottom. Um. Obviously. I hate him. Disgusting. Despicable. Um, then I'm just gonna lump Deathstroke, Desaad, and Darkseid into one category, which is I don't like them. Um, they mean nothing to me. I feel cold. I feel I feel nothing for them. Um, the Parademons, interesting. I could get with it, potentially. <laughs> All of them, though. All of them are my are my partners. Like, <laughs> oh, like a swarm. All the errands, like all of the practicalities of life, like yeah. I so, like, while big, one is out love, doing groceries, Sadie and a million <laughs> While one is out getting groceries, the other is washing my hair. One is cooking me dinner. One is laying out my clothes for tomorrow. Like they're all tag teaming me. I love it. I oh, yeah. I that'd be perfect. You um, would never have to scoop a litter box because a parademon would be on it. The yes. Yeah. Harry had to go. Like <laughs> then Lex Luthor. I, I don't know. I I guess because. <sighs> I would need to watch him in Batman versus Superman to get a full a full clock of him, but I find him fascinating. And I agree, Samantha. I like kind of like the way that Jesse Eisenberg plays Lex Luthor. It's very weird and like you wouldn't have expected it in a million years, but like I find it fascinating. Um and then obviously again, Steppenwolf, my husband. Yes, number one. <laughs> I'm obsessed with your parademon idea. <laughs> You've really sold me on the parademons, damn. Like, okay, I'm with you guys that the Jared Leto Joker is the absolute fucking worst of all time. Like, if we were talking Jack Nicholson Joker, this could be very different. But Jared Leto Joker, no. The abyss. And then I, though, I, I differ from Sadie and then I don't like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor because I feel like Jesse Eisenberg wanted to be playing the Joker and he's playing Lex Luthor kind of like that. And it's just, it doesn't work for me as well. So I'm like, nah. Um, let's see. Who else is bad? The uh, dark side and decide they're already in their own codependent thing. And there's no room for me there. Um, oh, the Deathstroke. This depends heavily. His, his ranking in the list on whether he can do the stripper moves that he showed off in Magic Mike XXL. Like that could take him up or down the ranking, depending on how often uh, Deathstroke is, you know, just stripping around the place. It would be hard to strip from his little like <laughs> bodysuit though feel like he'd trip think, and fall you know? down like but that could also be entertaining <laughs> and 
yeah, I was thinking like the pair of demons, like how does that even like work as a partnership? But then Sadie has opened my oh, eyes, like it. the scales have fallen from me. And now I see. And then Steppenwolf's beautiful iridescent armor. Like, do you think that if you were Steppenwolf's wifey, like he would let you wear the armor around, you know, like his his coat or something? He would make he, he would take you to the tailor who made him his little metal <gasps> so armor. Get your own little cute set of armor. That would be so precious. <laughs> if I were Steppenwolf's wife, I would get a little hat with horns to look like his too. We clearly just need to remake The Shape of Water, but with Steppenwolf <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of Yes, him. please. So in, in conclusion, Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League was a movie about how Steppenwolf is really dreamy. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I love that. And um, Pop Pop Batflick was surprisingly, surprisingly attractive. <laughs> God. Well, yeah. I mean, shall he we is rate? Pop Pop Batman. <laughs> <Like>. Yes. <laughs> uh, I will give. <laughs> I just love that the Snyder, point of the Snyder Cut was to make Stephen Wolf hot. I would love if that was his animating impulse, was like, people need to realize how adorable Stephen Wolf is. Um, I will give Zack Snyder's Justice League um, three out of three mother boxes. I had you for a second Oh, you there. tricked us. Oh. <laughs> I really Damn enjoyed it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for all the reasons we've discussed. <gasps> oh, um, man. let's see. I will give it, I'll give it tw- uh, 250,000 out of 1 million parademons. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed, I had some fun with the first half. It really let me down uh, in the second half, especially the epilogue. Um, I felt like narratively it fell apart for me. But I appreciate that it tried something new and that Zack Snyder is unapologetically Zack Snyder, always and forever. Um, I think that that's very admirable. And I, yeah, I found it, it was very fun. It was, it was fun to talk about and complain about and see memes about. And the memes that came out of the 4-3 format were, were enough to make it worthwhile. <laughs> well, you guys, I thought really hard about how I was going to rank this. Like, good Lord, there's so many ways you can go with this. I think my rating is going to be a solid three dead moms out of five. <laughs> Always with the morbid rankings. Well, DC loves to kill a mommy and then name a box generically after them. But I enjoyed parts of it a lot, a lot. And then parts of it I disenjoyed quite a lot. And I frankly think that it is immoral and uncalled for that the Jared Leto Joker might appear in the world yet again due to this. So I really have got to kind of come down hard on it for that. But also Amy Adams' face is perfect, even when she really has nothing to do with the role. And in that clip that Samantha sent us while we took a five-minute recording break, where Amy Adams is having to react to Whedon-cut lines from Superman is just like high art. So there you have it. (laughs) 
And Jen, what should people do to our heroic world-saving podcast? Our ancient lamentation music playing podcast. Uh, oh, that like the ancient lamentation music was actually the song that people just sing when Aquaman leaves a sweater behind but that was like an ancient Aquaman so like it's been forgotten oh I thought you were talking about Wonder Woman's (laughs) soundtrack I was I was I now want to replace with Sadie going ah Like the woman in that Beyonce uh, video who tries to sing along with her at a concert and just <laughs> screams. I Except mean, I'm Beyonce. Real lamentation <laughs> to the proceedings here. <laughs> All right. Anyway, people who love our glorious, heroic, scrappy little team of a podcast who stands in the face of oppression and evil and somehow miraculously triumphs week after week should leave us a five out of five star rating if you listen to it on a place where you can rate it. And if not, you know, you can still tell your friends who you think might like it about us. And you can communicate with us on Twitter at YSSTOG or you can even more excitingly send us an email at yssstogpodcast at gmail.com. Or even more excitingly, if you want to like talk to us all week about all these movies and the other random unconnected things that we think about, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Y-S-S-T-O-G. And we have a Discord server where we like to talk it up a bunch and there are different tiers where you can get different rewards and Sadie will make you beautiful rom-com playlists and some lucky chosen few can even select a movie to make us watch each month. We will be doing our March uh, Nora tier movie next week, which I guess we will actually record on the last day of March. And then it will appear on April Fool's Day, which now that I'm thinking about that, it's sort of maybe we should have done Justice League for April Fool's Day. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> we love you patrons. <laughs> and we love and appreciate patrons, you. And yes. <laughs> Speaking of patrons that we love and cherish and hold near and dear to our hearts, uh, we want to thank Logan, Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, and Liz. We love you all so much. Thank you. We cannot wait for um, all of the gifs or gifs, if you pronounce it that way, that are sure to appear in the Discord. Yes, come talk following about discussion this of this first. movie. <laughs> Charge me, charge me, I call to thee.